1: Time to talk controversial running backs and quarterbacks on today's show where we are going to be joined by Danny Kelly off the ringer. He's going to be jumping on in just a couple of moments to discuss some of those controversial selections. We're going to have him back for the Wednesday edition as well, where we'll dive into the wide receiver and tight end positions. We're going to talk about some players, Sean, that maybe we haven't necessarily talked a huge amount post-NFL draft about where they have landed in terms of ADP now that we have some more data over the last week or so, with the rookie drafts that are happening, so really looking forward to having Danny on in a few moments' time. Lots of content going up on the road of his website over the last couple of days. Over the last, uh, I guess, since the draft, myself and yourself have been drafting, and our team that has been the feature of the Dynasty Reanimator series here on Road of His Overtime. So lots of stuff going on. John, the rookie guide, is out as well.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of fun putting Volume Three together. That is available. We'll reference that a couple times in the show as it relates to difficult decisions that we had to make. Get Danny's sort of feedback on or insights into how some of those QB selections fit in there. Uh, having already recorded with him, this he's absolutely fantastic. I can't wait for the listeners to get that column. We also have a lot going on, as you mentioned, the Rotovis Triflex Leagues, the Rookie Drafts. This was Rookie Draft weekend. I'm in six of those leagues, a seventh one with Curtis that's not an RV Triflex, it's from before that, but seven of those Rookie Drafts going on. So basically from the first moment to the last moment this weekend, on the clock the entire way, making trades, trying to make trades, You and I, though, our first pick is coming probably as we kind of complete the show. So we're looking forward to that. hopefully everybody is out there drafting in the RV Triflex. If you're not, the startups are available. But, Colin, we have, as you mentioned, lots of content on the site kind of looking through how you want to move within the tiers. Curtis has an article about using rookie drafts to bolster your team, making trades for a championship run. I have an article out there with... Uh, Stefan, it's under Stefan's byline where we draft against each other and he, from the CFB perspective, kind of goes through and and lets people know what little types of things they might be missing, but this is the perfect show today for anyone who is working through some of those difficult choices at the end of round one, early in round two, Danny is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned, Sean, that, you know, that our pick, our first actual pick of the draft may be coming up as we finish recording this show. We'll save the full spoilers for later in the week when we talk about it on the the Friday edition of the podcast, but it wasn't our first actual pick of the draft. So that's just something that people can have a think about ahead of those shows. If you are looking to sign up over at rotoviz.com, you can use the code RBRADIO2023 at checkout. That gets you a 10% discount off your one-year Rotoviz NFL pass. But Sean, as I teased at the start, as we're ready to do, we've already recorded this fantastic conversation with Danny Kelly. If you want to follow Danny on Twitter, it's at Danny B. Kelly. You can find all his work up at the ringer.com as well. He is the senior staff writer over there. But Sean, we are going to start off with
2: controversial running backs. So I'm going to throw it over to you to kick things off. Yeah, so we have Danny on here. It's going to be so much fun. We've been in a couple of drafts together. We have the Animal Shelter League where you and Scott Barrett are co-managing one of the teams. And that is a pre-NFL draft draft. and Obviously, always some interesting selections in that one. I didn't feel like there was enough controversial to bring to the show from that because (laughs) to me, it seemed like the values fell very nicely to where you and Scott were positioned in that draft. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Black Crown dynasty league that Curtis yeah. Patrick is the commissioner of you and I are in obviously, well, I guess not obviously, but a bunch of my other favorite writers are in. So this was a, mm-hmm. a loaded draft. We had a lot of fun with it and it it just always leads to a bunch of interesting questions too, because when you're actually on the clock and you have to make picks, that's sometimes where we can find out where <laughs> writers really want to stand behind some of their rankings, some of their content or just where their roster makes a difference. And I think that part of it is really interesting to get into as well. So we start out in this league and you have the one 11 and the running back position after the top couple of guys yeah. is fascinating in 2023. There are a couple of names who are going fairly close together in RV triflex leagues. These are leagues over at the FFPC rookie draft weekend I was basically from the moment I woke up on Saturday to the, like, 1 a.m., fell asleep Sunday night, making trades, making picks. <laughs> nice. Devin A-Chain, Spears, two names that go somewhat close. Obviously, Spears ADP, not quite as high, but he does still have plenty of followers. Mm-hmm. One of the drafts that I was in yesterday, he goes at 203. A-Chain goes at 205. You obviously have a little bit different take than that. It's also interesting, obviously, because it doesn't really feel like it now, I don't think. But Spears was the guy who did go a little bit earlier in the reality draft, right? You selected a chain at 111. You passed on Spears at 304. Yeah. So start to give us a little bit of a sense of what we should be looking at with this Texas A&M product. Obviously, small, fast. He goes to Miami. Is it the perfect fit? I mean... Should we be considering him even
3: earlier than the 111? Probably not. No, I think I'm on I'm on the high end in terms of my love for a chain. I've kind of he's kind of been my guy and and it's almost turning into a bit a little bit because I just for whatever reason watching him is so much fun. He's so explosive and I and before the draft, I was even telling our buddy Scott Barrett like he to, he, to, he to me is the Tyreek Hill of running backs. Just I haven't seen a guy with that much twitch and that much explosive uh, like acceleration since Tyreek kill. And obviously that's a huge thing to say. I, I don't take it lightly. I, he, to me is just on a whole new level of fast, um, which is what sort of separates him. Obviously I'm, I'm very aware, hyper aware of the fact he's 188 pounds and there's just not very much precedent for a guy like him to be like a fantasy star. Um, so I'm going out on a limb a little bit, I think with my love for him, but at the same time um, I think he landed in a great spot, great situation for him to thrive. I think he's going to be a big part of their passing game or at least a significant enough part of their passing game to be, relevant in in ppr i was looking back last year moster raheem mostert got over 200 touches he's averaging about 13 touches per game which i kind of just in my head sketched out like around 13 touches ish for a chain sounds right per game um and obviously that's like me being hopeful and hopeful thinking or whatever but um i think that's reasonable for a guy like him so um you know i think he sort of reminds me a little bit of like what you'd expect usage wise of like a deandre Swift, it's probably going to be a little frustrating because you're going to want him to get more touches but an rb2 outcome to me is, is somewhat realistic for a guy like a chain who is so explosive um you know has good hands is a good route runner there's some scouts i i saw in dame brugler's draft guide that some scouts consider him like more of like a receiver He like even potentially moving him to receiver flat out um so you know there's some res- receiving skills there um i will say just the 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 tajay spears thing i <laughs> like full disclosure i didn't realize he was on the board when i made that pick like that was a kind of chaotic evening uh we were doing the draft live my whole family was at my house in the kitchen making dinner so i was like really distracted and i was on the clock and i I, and i looked up and i saw that he went right after i picked i was like oh okay i'm an idiot um so that was that was the explanation for that i i definitely would have uh, picked him if i had realized he was on the board it was kind of my just my mistake there but um so I, it's not like I'm super low on on Spears. I just uh I think A Chain in particular, his his speed, his explosiveness and toughness and versatility kind of stand out to me and, and put him in a clear tier above a guy like Spears, even though he was even though Spears was taken a couple of picks earlier. So in order to try and get people fired up about
2: A-Chain, when I'm either trying to convince myself or get other people to draft him ahead and push the players <laughs> I want down to me. Right. I mean, you have to mention Chris Johnson, right? So yeah. you said there aren't a lot of guys at that weight, but I mean, are you getting some serious Chris Johnson vibes off of H? I mean, probably not the same number of long touchdowns, but everything you described, very exciting.
3: Yeah. I think he he's a he's a definite example that you can use. I the ones I've been using more often are like a Java-Best style player, um, or If you go back even further, like Work done was around the same size, super explosive. He had over, I think he had like seven 1,000 yard seasons in in the NFL. So he would like, he would definitely be like the ceiling comp that I'd really go for with a chain. Um, But yeah, I mean, to me, it's, it's a combination of speed, explosiveness, fit with the Dolphins. This is a coach that loves to get his guys in space yards after the catch. Um, I think the combination of him being sort of a highly skilled and explosive outside runner mixes well with sort of their inside passing game in terms of like, they're trying try to attack the middle of the field with RPOs and quick slants and things like that for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And then you get him going on the outside and it's really stressing a defense. And so I think there's a lot of fun things that they could do there. And then in addition to that, like it sounds like Mike McDaniel loves this guy and and like based on what you're, what they're saying after the fact, obviously I'm sort of building a narrative for myself because I'm pot committed to a chain at this point, but um <laughs> You know, I think there's a lot of reasons to feel good about it. At the same time, I'm nervous b- for all the obvious reasons. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that pick to me was a little bit hard because there was a couple guys on the board at the time. Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta. Um, I'm just looking at the draft here. Even like a Will Levis. Those guys came into consideration, but I have like way too many tight ends on my roster as it is. Um, and so I kind of just went the other way. I need some running backs. And so that was a little bit of a need a little bit of a situation where, and you guys I'm sure go through this with a lot of leagues, but like, I just wanted to sort of diversify. Um, and and I didn't have very much A-chain at that point. So it's just like, all right, I'm going for it. And, and so there, there's a lot to, that goes into picking him at 111. I think that's probably like the upper bound of where you want to take him. Um, but at the same time, I'm pretty optimistic.
2: And then Danny, as we look at that for best ball as well, does that, I mean, you mentioned 13 touches would be, a good projection, uh, perhaps a little bit of an enthusiastic projection, but kind of right. like what you were saying in terms of. I mean, that's what you would like to see. Does that make Mostert and Wilson pretty close to full fades across the board, and/or when obviously a lot of people are thinking about best ball, they're starting to draft their best ball mania four teams over there, in underdog. You have those guys where obviously a chain is going to help the prices of the veterans. Yeah. You still like those guys as late round picks as well.
3: Yeah, I think so. And it, it's like a same, same deal where, you know, we've this in San Francisco every year. It's like the last guy drafted usually is the one that produces the most. Um, I'm very like clear minded about a chain potentially just not doing anything this year, just because there's going to be a rotation, you know, maybe they'll side with the veteran guys and in, in this case, and just like they trust them more or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of uh, you know, I think variants in terms of like what could really happen with this backfield. I, at the same time though, like a chain falling into a backfield with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson is kind of ideal because th- neither of those guys are like a massive impediment where you got guy like Spears, you got Derrick Henry in front of him, at least for the very short term. Um, and so uh, you know, that I, I feel like Mostert, who's been hurt more often than he's been healthy, and, and Jeff Wilson, who is I think just sort of in the jag spectrum of running back um those guys don't like provide a huge barrier but at the same time it is worth kind of grabbing them late just because you never know what coaches are going to do you never know how the the touches are going to shake out or injuries could shake out the other thing i will add to this whole thing that just makes it even more a little bit nerve-wracking is there's a lot of rumors connecting dalvin cook to miami this off season and so like if cook ends up in miami then i'm gonna be cooked so to speak um but but yeah, I think that'll be something to watch Hopefully that doesn't happen. Although I think it is still in the realm of possibility because you know, coaches like Mike McDaniel, I think, love to accumulate running back talent.
1: Yeah, it feels like some of the veteran, particularly the running back position, there could still be moves. We mean Sean talked last week about DeAndre Hopkins possibly still being yeah. moved before the start of the season. So there's lots of things like that that usually it feels like post-NFL draft, all the dust has settled and you know, all the the players are gonna kind of be where they are. But it feels a little bit different maybe this year. You mentioned at the three o four, you probably would have made a different selection had you yep. known how mm-hmm. things would play out. But yep. just following on from that, you mentioned Derek Henry there as well. The Titans did take Spears ahead of A-Chain, and his value obviously plummeted. Then the injury revelations have come out since. He does have a, a fantasy fan base still, though. Mm-hmm. Is that situation with him possibly behind Henry this year, for example? If it is short-term, it could be short-term. It mightn't be a long-term possibility, but there's also no problems with that offense in general yeah or is there some concerns around his talent level as well
3: uh no i think he's uh, he's an exciting player for sure i like you know what i saw on tape um you know he is really explosive really elusive after the catch um i think his like receiving profile isn't quite as strong um as you'd maybe hope for a guy who's 200 pounds but i think he did show some of that at the senior bowl that ability to you know run routes against linebackers get open shake guys after the catch um, so there's definitely some potential there I think for me it's like a combination of yes the injury is worrisome um, to me the fit is a little funky like I, I think the, the Titans are gonna have to sort of change their identity maybe once they move on from Derek Henry and maybe that's the direction that they're going for but to me when I think of the Titans I'm like smash mouth downhill like beat up on your opponent they, they just drafted last year. They drafted Hassan Haskins. They drafted, Ju, or they, they signed Julius Chestnut. These are both like big battering Ram tech running backs. I remember, you know, being kind of excited about Darrington Evans in Tennessee, and that didn't work out at all. So there's a little, there's a few things that worry me a little bit about the, about the fit here. Um, but that being said, you know, I don't think Henry's going to be long for the NFL, or at least for the Titans. Um, he's getting up there in age. And I think that they're, you know, this is a potential opportunity for, for Spears to come in and he's not facing a lot of competition elsewhere after, after Henry. So, you know, we could see this guy being the starter in, you know, as soon as like next year. So I think, you know, there's definitely a lot to like. Um, I think the the prospect that he'll have a shorter than average career is a little bit nerve wracking and, you know, things like the fact that he didn't really produce big numbers until his last season, he played at a lower level. There's some things kind of holding him back in my mind, but, at the end of the day, like I would have taken him there at the uh, three oh four if I had realized he was on the board. Like he, he that would have been a huge value. I think he's going more likely in the second round usually. So um so yeah, I think that's about right though, like late second round. Yeah, and the thing that kind of pops out for me
2: and I'm interested to kind of hear your thought on it, is that the knee isn't great, but and people will mention you know, some of these backs who had the shorter lifespans. But, I mean, if you got three good seasons for him at that price, you'd have to be very happy. That We don't expect the running backs to be dominating at 28, 29, 30 anyway. Yeah. Does that element of it really worry you at all, knowing that he's performed recently and his team
3: would seemingly believe in him with the way that they drafted there? right no it's not it's not to me it's not a huge factor um it's a small thing that maybe would like bump him down like a spot or two um but you know it's not it's not going to be a a giant limiting factor for me i mean you get if you if you would have thought that about like todd Gurley coming out you probably would have missed out on some pretty fun pretty fun seasons you know what i mean and so like you got to kind of be clear-eyed about it i think most of the time i'm thinking of like three-year windows when it comes to most position groups in fan in dynasty, especially, um, you know, quarterback obviously is different. You're, you're hoping it's like more like a 10 year thing with quarterbacks, but, um, you know, the, I think I things have to line up pretty well, like over a three year period and like projecting anything out for running backs in particular after three years, is like, you're not gonna, it's, it's not gonna have a high hit rate. So, um, yeah, the, the short term is he's explosive. He's, in theory, pretty good in the passing game, although I think that he has to prove that in the NFL. And then, um, you know, obviously, like, we saw what he did against USC. Like, that is sort of the – that would help me in terms of, like, worrying too much about the small school thing because he he came in and played against USC and absolutely dominant, dominated that game, and it was a big reason Tulane won that game. And so um, that that is also, like, helps allay some of the fears that you have of the smaller school thing.
2: Think about them. Let's dive into that a little bit more because the Titans yeah. have gotten to be really interesting. You have the general manager fired in the middle of last season. You have yep. really what I would consider to be an elite head coach, but one who maybe is a little bit more of a throwback, which doesn't right. mean that it can't work. I mean, there's some other coaches like that who have had quite a bit of success over the last five to seven years as well. But you have this issue of the quarterback play where Ryan Tannehill was so good, especially off of play action early when he went to the Titans. More recently, he's been hurt more. He's been a little bit less effective. Obviously, Derrick Henry getting to the end, as you mentioned there. They might have this complete identity shift. Mm -hmm. And then you have Will Levis being thrown in. So you alluded to the fact that your choice to select A-chain was very heavily influenced by the fact that your two positions that you're absolutely loaded at in this league and i believe you lost to curtis in the finals last year so one of the best teams you loaded at qb loaded at tight end those would have kind of been the other positions you look at but levis does tend to go ahead of a chain he's a controversial pick he does kind of tend to go to the player in that range who needs a quarterback right and we can kind of you talked about a narrative earlier we can tell ourselves a story where levis is basically the best of both worlds he's a good enough passer and certainly physical talent to maybe even trump young and stroud but he also brings the physicality in the running game to maybe offer some of the richardson elements but with somebody who like isn't starting almost completely from scratch as a passer is that the way that right. you would look at him or I mean we have some Rotoviz radio and Rotoviz writing CFB
3: guys who are really skeptical of Levis. Yeah. I think I'd be in the camp that's more skeptical than more bullish. Um you know, I think the the thing uh, like just from a fan or like a football fan point of view like watching his tape in 2022 it was boring which I, you know, didn't expect for a guy that so many people had hyped up over the over the offseason, then he came in in 2022. And I'm watching the tape, and it's like, when, when are you going to do something? When are you, When is something exciting going to happen? And so, you know, obviously, that's not the only way to scout a player, but he had, I think, the lowest percentage of big-time throws in college football among draft-eligible quarterbacks, like one of the lowest um, on average, and then also one of the lowest total. He just, for a guy who is sort of billed as, there's not much talent around him. You know, he's just doing his best at carrying the team, playing hero ball, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like he didn't have very many big plays. And so I'm wondering what, <laughs> what's going on there. Um 2021, he looked a lot better. I was actually really excited about him in 2021 watching him. I'm like, Hmm, this guy could be really exciting coming into the 2023 draft. Uh, But then he just kind of didn't really take a leap. In fact, he, he regressed. And so to me, the, the age the things that you're hearing about him sort of bombing some of these interviews and and the the issues maybe he has like personality wise, I don't know anything about that, but that worries me a little bit. And then just on the field um, too many turnovers, not enough big plays, that combination just kind of like worries me. And, you know, overall, I think the NFL, him falling to the second round, I I do feel like is maybe a little bit of a miss lead misleading thing because there was teams apparently that had him graded high enough to take him it just didn't kind of work out and there was teams apparently trying to trade into the first round to get him it didn't work out so the fact that he went in the second round I don't think is a death knell for him but you know the fact that he was he was the fourth quarterback taken is indicative that I think the NFL wasn't quite as high on him as people were thinking so yeah I, I I think he's a good value early in the second middle of the second where he could be going and you know I'd be willing to jump on him there but at the same time you know, among all the quarterbacks in this class, he was one of my least favorite in terms of just the tape. And I don't think the analytics are especially strong. Like his stats are just not very good from last year. So, you know, there's there's things that worry me with him. So when you think about
2: taking him sort of in the range of ADP, is that I mean, obviously we're thinking so much in terms of positional value, right? And then the potential to I mean, is he someone who you really are looking to trade out of, maybe at a slight profit almost immediately, as opposed to risk? I, I mean, the quarterbacks, because they're so valuable, especially young guys, but as you mentioned, Levis, not exactly young. Right. They're going to hold some value. But I mean, it seems like people who are describing him the way that you do. And there are some people, I, I mean, there are plenty of. Uh, we'll say pundits. I mean, and not necessarily thinking of that with negative connotations, but right. people out there who like him in the one who thought he should be the second overall pick mm-hmm. or even the, the number one pick, anybody who thinks that should be looking at him in that one hundred eight range. And then you're holding because you think he could go to one Oh one. Right. But you're definitely describing a draft to trade.
3: Yes. Uh, I, I would be more inclined to think hopefully he has a couple of good games here or flashes something and people get excited about it. And then you kind of move on from him. But he he second round capital does affect sort of his long term value too because the team is less i feel you know married to him long term and we've you know we've seen teams move off guys and and sort of just bury guys that that are drafted in the second third round range, and you just never really hear from them again you know if they don't if they don't flash at practice or or whatever and so um that's the worry is that he basically just never really develops and never becomes a lot li- like viable starter and, and you just kind of stuck holding the bag with him. And so that is my worry. And, you know, especially considering I I don't have a strong confidence in him as a NFL player. And so, you know, I, I think that there's, it's more of a value thing. Like if you can get a quarterback who will end up being a starter at, at, in the early second or at the very end of the first round, like that's a good value, but I don't feel super confident about him at the same time for that. If that makes sense.
2: Does this destroy Sort of the way you look at this entire team, you had mentioned a little bit of an odd fit for Spears. When I'm looking at him, I actually would really like to take him in rookie drafts, but I do feel like the uncertainty beyond anything injury related, that this yeah. team uncertainty, is so extreme. Column and I, yesterday, had I think really the great good fortune. We love Traylon Burks, but mm-hmm. the great good fortune of being able to trade him for basically the pick that was going to be Quentin Johnston. Mm. You're moving from a quarterback with, I mean, why you're with an incredibly uncertain quarterback situation to someone with Justin Herbert. Now, Johnston would still need to be able to play. And I think that most of us would believe that Burks was at least a slightly better prospect coming in, but he's already had the injuries and yeah. the disappointing rookie season, which we know knocks down the overall outlook. The yeah. range of outcomes aren't as good, even though he could still hit the top end, we believe, we believe. We still want that to happen. I'm, I'm but, a Burks believer also, yeah. But now that, I mean, you're basically talking about two quarterbacks who can't play Yeah. competing for the starting job. I mean, does that, and it's not exactly the same issue that they had in Atlanta last year. That was a different kind of issue, or at least a combination of issues. But with how a few teams really torpedoed everybody on their roster, is that where you are with Tennessee? Or we could still have maybe a little bit more hope than that.
3: Yeah, it's tough. I, I don't really know what to think with Tennessee. I it They're a team that in theory could still be competing in a bad division. And so maybe they're not completely trying to just, you know, tank essentially and, and you know, go for Caleb Williams or whoever next year, um, you know, and they still have Ryan Tannehill assuming he's going to be starting. Like, I think he elevates the offense. They still have Derek Henry right now. And so they have this little foundation where they can be. A competitive team and maybe the offense is a little bit better i do love the fact that they got peter Skoronsky. like getting him and will levis is kind of a coup for tennessee because a lot of people just expected them to pick will levis first and so improving their offensive line getting a guy who will provide a lot of stability there in theory um is is a great job by them but yes i i don't really know i think my when i think of the titans I don't know what their identity is going to be long-term. We don't know who their quarterback is going to be long-term, if it's going to be Will Levis or somebody else if they decide to move on, and Will Levis doesn't work out. Their skill player group is really bad right now in terms of receivers. Traylon Burks and then a bunch of guys.
1: It's non-existent right now.
3: Yeah, and, I, and so, I don't know. It's, it's just very difficult to project volume and points and you know efficiency from this offense and that that's definitely worrisome so for Traylon burks for me it's like taking the long view more hoping maybe they either will levis does turn into a lot better than people are expecting or maybe they decide to stick with for a couple more years and sort of try and lower his cap hit and do something that way i don't know um but yeah it it diminishes his values pretty significantly the fact that he's sort of stuck on this team that looks to me like it's in limbo there's no clear vision there with with what they are or who they're going to be continuing with quarterback
1: and moving down to tampa bay bruce arians recently claimed that you know baker mayfield was a, a better prospect than bryce young sean has kind of compared mayfield and have young as a, a comp to that We'd obviously like to have the unknown upside of Young potentially being like a, a Drew Brees as we move forward here rather right. than turn into what Baker Mayfield has turned into since he was drafted. Do you think that's a appropriate comparison? And then do you think there's any key areas where that breaks down? And I guess, uh, do you agree with Bruce Arians that uh, Baker Mayfield is a
3: better prospect coming out than Bruce I think. Uh, well, my question, I guess, is for you guys. Do you think that's a hot take? It's not that hot of a take, really. If you think about and, and obviously now it sounds like a hot take because yeah, when he came out, field.
1: it was like there was a lot of buzz obviously coming out of college.
3: Yeah. And he, he was extremely efficient. He had like a swag personality. You know, he was really good. It was almost the like Gardner
1: Menshew in terms of swag at the time. Chip
3: on the shoulder, you know, and, and we were still, I think, of the mindset that small guys we're now just sort of a part of the NFL at quarterback. Russell Wilson had come in and had success. Um, it wasn't that big of a deal. That opened up doors for other small quarterbacks. And then now we see Russell Wilson aging less than gracefully. Um, Baker Mayfield is sort of busted more or less. I mean, he's still in the league. And he's still probably going to be a starter, but he definitely hasn't lived up to his billing. And, you know, so I think that there's a little bit, I, I think it's a uh, important dis- like a discussion to have, like, with young and and part of the reason so i had bryce young ranked as my number one quarterback for a while during this offseason then i've frankly honestly just gotten spooked about his size it it, it makes me worried we've seen what two has gone through in terms of you know some of the injuries that he's had to that he's sustained over the years and that kind of that makes his long-term you know outlook a little bit great a little bit fuzzy and we just don't really know exactly how long he'll be able to play in the nfl that's my that's my main worry with a guy like young who's got a very slight frame. If injuries start to pile up, it starts to affect his play and it starts to affect his ability to do some of the things out of structure that he does. I don't think he has a particular like he's not got a cannon anyway and so if you start to see him you know, take big hits and things like that like it could really affect his whole game. So I'm a little bit worried about it. I did end up still having him ranked very highly just because I think he's a very good quarterback and a very good player, but I'm I'm definitely spooked about his size. I think it's it's something that I worry about long term and um, that's why personally for me, I would rather take Richardson and Stroud in rookie drafts than young, just because I'm worried about that. Frankly, even though I think he's the best quote unquote quarterback of that group, I think long-term and fantasy wise, it's a little bit worrisome. It was interesting because
2: when we did our Rotoviz rookie rankings summit, uh, Curtis, Blair Andrews, Dave Cabin, and I putting out the rookie guy just right after the draft of the final volume of that, the biggest debate that we had was actually between young and Stroud, yeah. which I think probably is interesting to people from the perspective of in the final three weeks to month, what have you, it seemed like those guys were very much going in opposite directions and you do have young go with the first pick even though at the time it kind of seemed like the Panthers were probably moving up originally to take Stroud. You have the information processing info come out, and that seemed to really be something that elevated Young. Yeah. I. So I guess I have a couple of questions there in that for me, because I felt like Young's trade value was going to be steadier, Mm. And because I think the Panthers, even though their offense is terrible, is actually still in a much better place than the Texans (laughs) where (laughs) there's just so bad that I, I mean, I was voting on the young side, even though I had been Stroud for most of the off season. And, you know, so then for myself too, I'm wondering like, how much am I just kind of being influenced again by the community being so excited about young kind of here at the end, but we were close on those guys. I think that the size is actually a big thing. One of the things they talk about with Baker Mayfield, and I think people forget now, is that his ball velocity at the combine was elite. I think right. I mean, because he's busted, people tend to think of him almost like as this Johnny Manziel, which I think that Manziel actually would have been fine as well if you know, there had been football as opposed to the... Right, You just right. can't play if your life is not really put together. But I think people think of Mayfield as not being an elite passer because of how his career has transpired But really, I mean, you watch him, you watch Russell Wilson and how Wilson processes plays when you're that height, the trajectory you have, the vision that you're limited to, it's just so different. Yeah. So I, I guess I have some concerns there. You've already spoken to that a little bit, this information processing element, is there a double counting? element there where, I mean, we've seen these guys play, we watched young play, we right, watched Stroud right. play, we know what they can do as football players. And it's easy to forget too, I think that, I mean, young, fantastic production, a great passer, but not necessarily separated in any way, shape or form from players like Tua, whom you mentioned. And again, just some tricky elements to where you have a superstar coach that has made him somebody that people are willing to to take in fantasy. <laughs>
3: right. Yeah, There's a, it, it's a complicated thing. And I think I agree with everything you said there. It, in terms of ranking Stroud versus Young, it's it's difficult. I actually had them right next to each other in my real draft guide, and then I'll have them right next to each other in my in my fantasy guy or my fantasy rankings too. But I, I'm gonna have Stroud above just because I don't know. I feel at the end of the day, honestly, just like are you gonna be betting on an extreme outlier? And I know that I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I was just hyping up a chain, but but just with the quarterback position in particular, it's there's so much potential to bust for any player. And then the fact that you have this guy who is literally the smallest player of smallest quarterback ever, you know, come at least drafted in that high of a range in the draft, you know, I think that's, it's sort of like a parlay. It's, it's you're like making two bets here. Not only that, will he not bust, but also will he live up? Like, will he be an extreme outlier? You know what I mean? So that's just kind of how I looked at it. It's like, I'd rather just take the guy who's 6'3", 215. And who had, all, by the way, he also had insanely good stats. He's insanely accurate. I actually like him. I think he's, he's more functional outside of structure than people have made it out to be. I don't count the S2 test whatsoever. I don't consider it, frankly. I, it's, I think it's interesting, but I don't know what the test is. We don't know what the historical, you know, records are. We'd, like, we've gotten vague whispers of what players have gotten. And that's about it. I don't know what to do with it. I can't do anything with it because there's no way to analyze the results and in, in the actual test. So I just literally don't consider it really. Um, I understand that teams do a little bit, but, you know, teams make stupid decisions all the time. So I don't, you know, who knows really how important it is. But, um, you know, I I I whenever I was never watching Strahd's statement being like, oh, he doesn't seem to be able to process. I, I never thought that. And so, um, I don't know. I, it's not really... A big factor for me. I think maybe someday down the line, if they have more data and like more, you know, results on like what the numbers mean, then maybe we can do something with it. But again, it's just like, this is one to a hundred and they're throwing out these random numbers that mean nothing to me because I don't know what the test is. I don't know what it's actually doing. And I don't know what the results have, how the results are translated on the field, frankly. So I don't know. I I can't do anything with this data. Yeah, that's, I think,
2: I mean that's the way to look at it. <laughs> so, it, I'll be interested to see if if Stroud comes out and absolutely dominates, which I think is possible, even with the completely limited weapons that they have. Then I will be disappointed that that I didn't stick with my rankings on Stroud as the top guy out of the three, which is where we did have him for you know most of the offseason. Right, so, right. if there were drafters who drafted at that point again, if it ends up that he works out. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that you remember some- that. Yeah, yeah. Tell us and the listeners what they can look for from you over the next week. You mentioned the rookie
3: ranks. Yep. I got the I got my full Superflex Titan Premium rookie ranks coming out written up with 60 players. And so I'm excited to share that. I've been working on it for, you know, basically the entire draft season and then made adjustments after the draft with draft capital. Um and so that's something that's coming out next week. We have a fantasy football draft guide up at the ringer. Now it's, it's in its sort of bare bones mode right now because we've just got our rankings up, but we're going to have each guy written up eventually during the summer, have a whole bunch of different functions on that. It's a really cool thing that you can use to draft for your redraft fantasy. Um, and then, yeah, so hopefully I'll have obviously some more dynasty content later in the off season, but for now, just the rookie raft, rookie dynasty draft guy uh, rankings right now. So that's coming up this week. That's awesome.
2: I always really enjoy those. And listeners who have checked Danny out, I know most of you have, are looking forward to that because he can really, really write. So those will be fantastic. So, as I did mention at the
1: start of the show, you can follow Danny on Twitter if you want to do so. It is Danny B. Kelly, all his work over at The Ringer. He mentioned the guides and so on. Go check those out. He is going to be back with us for the Wednesday edition of the show. We're going to talk about controversial wide receivers tight ends and maybe sneak in some running back conversations towards the end of that one as well Sean having Danny on is always a blast and you know to dive into some of the players that maybe we didn't talk about on last week's shows I think uh, and particularly players who will be going in those second and third rounds of these rookie drafts where I feel like a lot of people's drafts may be sitting at this moment in time
2: yeah absolutely perfect make sure you check back in for that column As you mentioned at the beginning, use that coupon code RBRadio 2023 at checkout for a 10% discount. We also mentioned a little bit of best ball advice in show two. It's coming up. If you want to join us in attempting to win the like $3 million, is it $3 million this year, Colin? It is insane
1: how how that has grown over the
2: last four years. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, if, Recent history is an indication it will be someone that that we know. And so that part hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it will be us, but it could be any member of the RotoViz community. You can use the code RotoViz. That one, the very easiest column, that gets you a 100% deposit match up to $100. Join us over at Underdog and start winning that is it start winning we'll hopefully have some drafts coming up
1: in the coming weeks to get in there at bbm4 i was about to say bbm3 but as we know pat crane has already taken that one down so we'll go for bbm4 here sean in the coming weeks but that is going to do it for today's edition of the show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter add over to Marlin. you can check out all of sean's work up on rotavis.com and until we are back on wednesday have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rhodeves Radio. Please rate and review the Rhodeves Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at RhodevesRadio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rodavis Radio homepage, roteviz.com forward slash podcast.
5: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?